Welcome back to another episode of Practical Nutrition. I'm Amanda. I'm Cassie. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And today we are going to talk about nutrition and your kids. So for any parents with kids, teachers, healthcare workers who work with kids, or anyone that used to be a kid, this topic could be helpful to you. Getting kids to be interested in a healthy lifestyle is much easier said than done. Parents can definitely attest to this. It's not black and white. So maybe you've asked yourself these questions. How can we spark kids' interest in healthy food without being pushy? How do we give kids the right information without scaring them into it? How do we get picky kids to be more exploratory with their food? Of course, we want our kids to live a healthy lifestyle, so let's talk about some tips for addressing these situations in the right ways. First, I want you to think about yourself as a kid. What was your first exposure to nutrition? Was it positive or negative? So all of us dietitians are going to talk a little bit about our first exposures to nutrition. I'll start by just saying we had a girl come into our, or a dietitian come into our elementary school and teach us about the food pyramid, and we made like healthy smoothies and stuff. So I had a positive experience with nutrition to start. What about you, Cassie? That's cool. Yeah, we had growing up, I didn't have any nutrition professionals. We, I was always at small schools, but we did have, you know, a garden. We cooked, my mom cooked at home. And so, um, so that, you know, I really learned to eat a lot of those foods um, when I was younger, veggies and fruits and that kind of thing. So, um, and I had a lot of skin issues when I was younger. So uh, my mom was really into nutrition. That was back in the 70s when, um, you know, the health food store was a big deal. So I, I have memories of going to the health food store and getting like, healthy, um, fruit leathers, you know, where the other kids have the, had the other kind of fruit leathers. And, um, I think my mom said we used to cry cause she would make our bread, homemade bread, and it looked different than the other people's sandwiches. <laughs> so, um, so we did have exposure though to those things. Um, and interestingly, that's what I like now. So yeah. So a positive experience. What about you, Alex? Yeah. And like Cassie was saying, my mom cooked at home and stuff too. So I was able to be exposed to all kinds of different foods, but also like hot dogs and chips also was a staple in our house. Um, but also like food pyramid back in the day. Um, so yeah, things like that. Okay. And Sarah? Yeah. Mine's pretty similar. I don't necessarily remember anything in school, but you know, fruits and vegetables was pretty normal in our house. My mom cooked a lot at home. My dad liked to grill. Um, we didn't have a garden, but we had like pots with herbs in it that we would grow, um, like rosemary and basil and things like that. And my mom already always tried to get us involved in that way. Um, so I'd say overall I had a pretty positive experience. Yeah, that's good. And like Alex said, and even like myself, I was exposed to like hot dogs and chips and mm -hmm. we turned out fine. So just keep in mind that as we go through these tips, nothing is black and white. Just doing your best as a parent is really what matters. So moving on. So maybe you learned about the food pyramid at school. Maybe you learned about cooking by watching your parents. Maybe you watched a friend or relative go through fad diets or ex obsessive nutrition or weight-related behaviors. Maybe your sports coats like to talk to you about hydration and fuel. Maybe you heard bad things about fast food and disease rates on the news. Whatever your exposure, I want you to think about the lasting impact it had on your life. How did your exposure to nutrition early in life guide your own health journey and food-related decisions and body image? And as we go through this podcast, consider how you, as a parent, could improve upon these experiences for your kids benefit so Cassie's going to start us off with the first tip 
which is how to deal with your picky eater. This topic could really be a whole podcast or series in itself. It's such a common issue for kids and parents. So um, definitely respect your kid's appetite or lack of one. If your child isn't hungry, don't force a meal or snack. And likewise, don't bribe or force your child to eat certain foods or clean his or her plate. And that's one thing uh, we were talking about before the podcast with the don't force a meal or snack. You know, having having kids and going through all the stages where they're teenagers now um, and then also being a kid myself, there are certain times and you parents out there might have dealt with this as well, where you had to only a certain time where you needed your child to eat. So that way they would be in a good mood for practice or um, school or whatever. And so, um, so this is a tough one. If your child isn't hungry, um, there were some times when I definitely did want them to eat before we left to go do something or before we were going to be gone for the day just to make life easier and um, help them be in a better mood and more successful. So so that's one, you know, just to think about. Um, but, you know, in general, you don't want to force them to clean their plate. Um, that was something that, um, you know, when we were kids, um, definitely was a rule. And so I still remember if I put ketchup on my plate, I had to eat all of it. And so it was part of not wasting food. And so um, sometimes, you you know, that's something that um, that I have changed with my kids is they don't have to clean their plate. Um, and so and that's something that we still do to this day. So, um, you know, and really, um, especially when they're younger kids, there can be a power struggle over fo- over food and um, and then a lot of anxiety that's associated with that. And it becomes just it really builds and becomes a negative situation instead of a positive thing, which is what we want mealtime to be. Um, so and, and then to, you know, everybody has natural hunger and fullness cues and often we just learn to ignore those and so it can be a positive or a negative um, as far as eating more or less but um, but those hunger cues are important to really um, help your child develop naturally Um, and then you know small portions to avoid overwhelming your child and give him or her the opportunity to independently ask for more and that's something you know eating on small plates is something we've always done and if it's something new you know giving them a small portion and and trying to have balance there. So that way, um, that's one thing that I did with my kids is try to have a balanced plate. And so if they were hungry, I would say, okay, well, let's have a little more of of all of these things instead of more of the one thing that they wanted um, that they probably had enough of. So um, I would try to help them with that. And then, you know, really um, the kind of the golden rule with this is the parent decides what and when the child will eat and the child decides if and how much. And that's something that, that I did try to do raising kids. It wasn't always perfect, um, but something important to think about. Yes, and then next we're going to talk about sticking to the routine. So serving meals and snacks at about the same times every day. If your child chooses not to eat a meal, the next scheduled snack time will offer an opportunity to eat nutritious food. Allowing your child to fill up on juice, milk, or unstructured snacks throughout the day might decrease his or her appetite for meals. And kind of like Cassie was saying, sometimes routines may not always be black and white. I remember having to rush to sports and there was four of us so we were always like constantly on the go so it might have been snacks and that sort of thing um but sticking to some sort of routine if you can can be helpful um and then being patient with new foods and not giving up many food aversions are developed during the first three years of life there these are usually texture related and can last a lifetime 
as dietitians, we hear all the time, oh, I don't like X, usually veggie, because of the texture. And research finds that texture aversions most often develop early in life, and parents give up on exposing a child to the food too prematurely, leading to sensory confusion issues. So the child struggles to identify textures from food within the oral cavity, especially mixed consistencies such as fruit cocktail, cottage cheese, etc. Research shows that a new food should be exposed to a child 13 times before they accept it. Exposure includes just serving it on their plate, touching it, playing with it, putting it in their mouth, and spitting it out. Even if they don't swallow every bite, it still counts. I know my sister does that with my niece a lot. She doesn't love um, like peas, but she'll put it on a plate and she'll play with it and stuff. Um, so it still counts. Um, and then be patient. Serve new foods with familiar foods and try different ways of preparation. So doing boiled, mashed, roasted, savory, sweet. Mix it up and don't give up. And Cassie, like she said, is the only actual mom here. I'm a mom to be. Um, but we've all been children at one point, so we're kind of talking from that point of view. And Cassie can definitely give the point of view of a parent. <laughs> Yeah, as someone who was a child at some point, this next tip is something that I don't feel like happened a lot in my household, but I feel like is a really good parent hack, and it's to serve their favorite meals with hidden vegetables. So um, I feel like this is something that's pretty popular right now, too, and there's a lot of good resources out there to try and utilize this tip to make it fun and tasty. So some examples would be trying sloppy joes with minced carrots, celery, and broccoli, and then if you make spaghetti, that was a staple in my home growing up, throw in some diced tomatoes, zucchini, squash, and the sauce um, with macaroni and cheese, also a staple in my household growing up, throw in some diced yellow carrots, and you can try to make like a cauliflower puree sauce. Um, and there really isn't much of a taste difference in all honesty, um, so that's great too. And then another example, the last one would do, you could try to make homemade tater tots with half potatoes and half cauliflower rice. You could do that with any form um, of like a mashed potato and things like that too. And then our next tip is to try and serve the same meal for you and your kids. So if possible, you know, don't try and go out of your way to prepare something different for your kids and don't pressure them to eat the meal that you made. We kind of talked about that too. Obviously, there's other circumstances in which that will not be able to be carried out, but research does show that this can promote picky eating in kids. Um, there's lots of research out there. One of them, uh, one study was published through the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, and they did show that there was a positive association between um, kids being pressured to eat. So this is called a pressure to eat feeding strategy and picky eating habits in children aged one through seven years old. So positive association means the more they were pressured to eat, the more they had picky eating habits. So things that parents uh, answered that yes, they would do this with their kids. As they said, if my child says I'm not hungry, I try to get them to eat anyway. If my child eats only a small amount of food, I try them I try to get them to eat more and when they say they're finished eating I try to get them to eat a few more bites of food again if you're someone who has said this or thinks that I will employ this at some point that does not mean that you are failing as a parent it's just research and data to be aware of and then also in this research they found a negative association between a healthy home food environment and picky eating so negative association more healthy home food environments less picky eating 
And I think that's pretty vague. Like what is a healthy home food environment? Um, and again, the best that you can do as a parent is probably going to be a healthy home food environment and just taking these things that we're saying, um, you know, and trying to implement them if you never have. So one thing to think about too, um, is that children love choices. They love having the power of making a choice. And so they may be less likely to pick a fight if you say things like, do you want peas or carrots with your dinner? And because they choose it and they played a part in getting to the outcome, they might actually be more likely to eat it. So um, same thing with the neg or the positive association with picky eating. With this, the research article um, found that people who had less picky, picky eating in their home said things like, I discuss with my child why it's important to eat healthy foods, or I discuss with my child the nutritional value of foods, which can be great because as we know, food is fuel, and we need that fuel to be successful and smart and, and do all the things that we need to do in the day as children and as adults too. So food preferences are established very early during childhood, and this can definitely shape, you know, later in life eating habits. So studies do suggest that parental feeding styles do affect children's dietary behaviors and their weight status um, as children, as adolescents, and into adulthood too. So again, just, you know, things to be aware of. The second topic is how to get your kids interested in healthy food. So first thing to consider is try to include them. Kids love to feel like their opinion matters. Um, it promotes feelings of empowerment, self-esteem, and trust. So ask them to help you write the weekly meal plan with their favorite healthy foods included on the list. Like Sarah said, when you sit down to write your meal plan, ask them, well, on Monday, do you want peas or carrots with your dinner? So take that into consideration. Also, taking your kids to the grocery store and using that time to teach them how to choose the best, the best produce, how to look at the nutrition label on foods, and how to navigate the store in general. Give them tasks in the kitchen while you cook a meal. Sure, it's definitely a little more messy and chaotic to have kids in the kitchen, but the hands-on experience and bonding time is good for their development. And they don't have to help at every single meal or every single grocery shopping trip, but plan for a few times per month when they can be included in this. Also, don't do everything for them. Give them food-related responsibilities. Parents often take on food-related tasks like the grocery shopping, cooking, packing lunches, and cleaning up because it's just easier and it's a way to show your parental love. But keep in mind that these are life skills that your child needs, and if we never teach them to prepare a meal or to navigate the grocery store, then we could be setting them up for failure when they move out on their own. We want them to know how to do these things. So start small by having them pack and unpack their own lunchbox for school, for example example. I love that. That's one thing that I definitely have done with my kids. They make their own lunches and, and they're teenagers now, but uh, they know, they definitely know what goes in a healthy lunch. And sometimes um, they like to sleep in. So we, you know, do lunches in the evening. So you're teaching them also how to make it work and logistics and that kind of thing. So that one is huge. Um, so I like that. And the, the third tip is how to talk your, to your kids about healthy food the right way. Uh, first, it's not all about the taste. It's gonna, you're going to lose that battle if you talk to your kids and try to convince them that a green bean tastes better than an Oreo. So it's not all about the taste. And there are a lot of other attributes about food that you can focus on to take the focus off of that. So encourage your child by making the meal conversation about a food's color, shape, aroma, and texture, not whether it tastes good or bad and trying not to label it as tasting bad or tasting good necessarily because there are a lot of other things that food can really provide. And so when talking about taste, um, you know, it could be salty, sweet, bitter, sour, spicy, earthy, 
nutty, sulfurous, astringent, fishy. So these are all words that you could use to really help them explore that food has a lot of things that it can make you taste and make it interesting for them. So um, helping identify what those mean with them too and using those when you're talking about things. I know um, one of my kids, um, my more picky child, um, actually loves to go out and try new foods. And so it's an interesting, it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, And that was, she may not have eaten everything or, you know, we didn't um, have her have to eat a certain amount, but we always had her try things. So if she had one bite and said, no, thank you, that was fine. Um, So that kind of no thank you rule um, where they have to be polite um, is what we tried to have our kids do and that has worked out really well as they've gotten older because she does like to try things she may not eat it she may not like it but that's okay Um, and also being okay if they don't necessarily like something I I tried to tell my kids that that's okay if you don't like it you're not going to like every food and that's fine so I mean that doesn't mean that you won't like it prepared a different way so that's why we try Um, so also you know the health benefits of food and talking to them in a way that relates to the functions of the body not the food's effect on their physique or weight and this is huge Um, And so that's another thing that worked really well for my kids. Um, In my experience, too, um, we talked about how it helped their heart or gave them energy, things like that. And I would, um, you know, try to, if they they put together a meal or a snack or a lunch, I would say, okay, what in here is going to help your heart? Or we're missing something that's going to give you antioxidants that's going to help your body. Um, So we, you know, I tried to talk to them about those things ever since they were young. And so um, they still remember that for sure. Um, And then the colorful fruits and veggies, that's a huge one. I actually used to um, play games with this when my kids were younger, and it was really a fun thing for them to do, and it helped um, them get those colors in every day. So we had, my kids love stickers, so I would draw a rainbow, and every day we'd, you know, have it on the fridge, and they would put their stickers on there. If they got something red, they'd get a sticker in the little red part of the rainbow. And so, um, and then too, with the grocery store, it really helped because I would bring them to the store, and I would say, okay, go pick a fruit that's red. And so whatever they picked, we would get. And um, if it was a veggie that I didn't really know what to do with, I would look it up and try to figure out. Um, And so that really helped me to um, expand and have things maybe that I wouldn't have picked. And then they're more likely to eat it if they pick it out, which is really cool. So um, so things that, you know, we would relate to the colors, blue and purple fruits and veggies are good for your brain. So you can stay focused in school. That's something that they would relate to. They're not going to relate to, oh, this will help you live longer and not get cancer. (laughs) So (laughs) Um, things like that. Um, So um, proteins like meat, milk, and beans help us to have strong muscles and bones so we can run fast and play with our friends. That's definitely one that I use. Um, So keeping it light and age appropriate is is really good. And so, um, and definitely not about their weight. Um, I will say on here, you know, all of these things are great until your kids go to school and they get exposed to other people. (laughs) So that was one of my disheartening things, I think, as a a younger parent. Um, I did all of this ground work with my kids and then it seemed like as soon as they went to school and were influenced by friends and other people saying things about their bodies etc cetera, etc cetera, um, it kind of was disheartening to me so just sharing that um, if any of you have felt that way um, you know it was kindergarten really when my daughter um, I brought them to Andy's. I still never remember this, her and a friend. And her friend didn't want Andy's because she said that it would make her fat. And she said that in front of my daughter. I was like, 
and I had been so for six years I had never used that word you know and so um, so all this stuff is great um, and you know it, it definitely what you do at home really makes the most difference but um, but you can have just the best laid plans and and sometimes that's frustrating so so just be aware that you can't keep them in a bubble and so um, but the stuff that you're doing at home um, is what's really going to make an impact when they get older. Yeah, I love that. And I, it reminds me of, uh, my mom would make us pack our lunch too when we were in elementary school, but I was the queen of trading. Like when I got to school, I was like, I want a cosmic brownie. I'm going to trade. Who wants to trade my apple slices for a cosmic brownie? That definitely happened at my lunch table too. That's (laughs) awesome. So laying the groundwork and like Cassie said, it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies, but you know, you can do the best you can. So next is don't use scare tactics or caution speak. There will be times when your child refuses to eat something on their plate or begs for an outrageous dish at a restaurant. Instead of, if you don't eat this, then something negative, reframe this as, I understand you are making the choice now. Here's how I suggest you improve that choice in the future. Or, I understand that you're choosing not to eat blank. Your body will be sad that it missed out on all these health benefits. And I'm sure as a parent, Every parent's probably guilty of so, at some point using like a scare tactic. I'm sure my mom, you know, being like, if you don't eat those veggies, you're not going to get ice cream. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I'll eat a couple of bites of the veggies. Um, so I'm sure it's maybe harder than what you'd think. Um, but I, it is a good point not to use scare tactics. Um, and then never greet or address a child or any person with a physical observation of their body. I think that's huge. Um, this is a hard habit to break. It's really easy to greet someone with, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. You look so skinny, tall short, big, healthy, it is possible that the child or person is self-conscious about the phys- their physical attributes. Um, so avoid the physical and say, hey, you look happy. Um, that's a great compliment. Um, you can compliment their, out- their outfit or talk about how happy you are to see them. Um, so other things besides just the physical part about a person is important. So next is to try and encourage meals to be eaten at the dinner table together. This was something that happened a lot before my brother and I got super into sports and extracurricular activities. Um, But anytime the opportunity is present, try it um, as much as you can. Studies do show that families who eat together frequently tend to have less disordered eating habits and um, less body image concerns among their children, better self-esteem in their children, and then also less alcohol and substance use and better mental health which is all you know what we want our children to experience and then um, next is to avoid relating foods to a child's weight physique or emotion so this can definitely cause issues with things like body dysmorphia disordered eating and even emotional eating instead always relate the food back to some sort of nutritional value or um, physical performance like I said I was in sports so I was definitely always interested in oh this food will help me jump farther or you know outlast the other defender whatever it was instead of saying choosing a side salad instead of fries will help keep you fit and trim try to say something like choosing a side salad instead of fries will help your body feel best and have a nourished body and then additionally another example instead of if you eat all of that pizza you might need to go up a close size say pizza is delicious wouldn't it be great if we made the meal more balanced by adding a veggie on the side 
Yes. Okay. And number four is how to include fun foods in a balanced way. So it's important to let your kids have fun foods sometimes, or like when Alex said, if there's trading going on at the lunch table, that's okay. We grew up on some of those things too, and we turned out okay. So by vilifying or completely restricting candy, sweets or chips or other junk foods, children lose that ability to incorporate those foods in a balanced way, and this could continue into adulthood. Chances are that someday the child will be at a sleepover, birthday party, or event where these foods are offered, and we want them to be able to enjoy these foods in a moderate portion with peace of mind. We don't want them to fear for, fear the treat for its health impacts or physique detriments, and we don't want them to feel the need to gorge themselves on it or closet eat it in private in fear because it's not allowed at home. Treats should be enjoyed sometimes on special occasions with open discussion about why fun foods can be part of a balanced diet. Designate a couple nights per week as dessert nights, then skip dessert the other nights, or redefine dessert as fruit, yogurt, or another healthy option. Good stuff. So, and that's something that, you know, as they get older again, you're going to have to um, deal with that. So um, having my kids go through up until 18, um, when they're teenagers, they definitely have more exposure to um, those kind of fun foods. And so, and, um, and that's something I mentioned my first experience with food, um, as a younger child, but whenever I was a teenager, you know, my favorite meal was a chicken fried hamburger, which is not healthy. So <laughs> just to the tell you, I would, yeah, hamburger. I mean, this is maybe a Southern thing, but breaded and deep fried hamburger patty. Yes. Wow. Oh, wow. My favorite. On a bun. No, you just ate it with a fork and dipped it in ketchup. No <laughs> I'd wow. eat it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Okay, Texas <laughs> sounds kind of good though. But, yeah. um, and then you know we had off-campus lunch as a teenager, um, as you know in high school. I had a small school, and I would go eat um, cheese tots at Sonic for my lunch and a cherry limeade. And so you know, so all of those good things, you know, I think sometimes teenagers can go um, off a little bit and then come back around, which is what happened to me. Um, and so um, and that's just something to think about. But um, because you you definitely they're going to get exposed to a lot of things. Um, so the next one is um, don't use food as rewards. And this was near and dear to my heart. And so um, because, you know, this was just taught to us so much in, um, in our dietetics programs. And so um, using food as a reward or as a punishment can undermine the healthy eating habits that you're trying to teach your children. That's huge. And that's one thing, you know, there aren't many things that I say I never did, but I did. I never have done that with my kids as far as using food as a reward. Um, so that's, you know, I, I do talk about how food can, you know, give you energy and make you feel good, but, um, but saying, if you do this, then I'll give you this or whatever, um, is something that, that always stuck with me. And, um, and that's something that still to this day, again, um, they have definitely gotten food as rewards at places. Um, and again, the first experience, I think you'll probably, it'll be interesting what Alex remembers from her early parenting, but, um, but I remember that my, my, um, oldest daughter, we went to swim lessons and, um, um, when they swam down the lane, they would give them like a, you know, treat of gummy, like some sort of candy, you know, and I was mortified because it was like, they looked like animals out there, like, you know, swimming for a treat. And so, so just, again, you have to laugh at some of this stuff. Um, if you guys have had kids, I'm sure you have some funny stories, but um, you're like, okay, I was all gung ho about this and, you know, and then um, they're going to get a treat 
by swimming down the lane. And that again was continuous throughout their school career for sure. Um, and sometimes an athletic career. So, so again, teaching them how to embrace some of that, um, and, um, be okay with it is fine. Um, but it definitely, um, can interfere with kids natural ability to regulate their eating, um, and encourages them to eat when they're not hungry to reward themselves. And that's a behavior that there is going to stick with them. And we see that as dietitians with adults, if you always are relating food with reward for anything, whether you feel bad, you're happy or whatever, that can be an issue when you get older. Um, so, um, and then, you know, offering otherwise off limit foods as a reward can be very confusing for kids. So if you never have ice cream in the house, for example, um, and then you say, okay, if you do this, we'll go get ice cream, then that may make them confused about, well, it's okay now if I do well, but it's not okay at other times. And so, um, so that's just something to think about. And, um, they also may also start relating unhealthy foods to certain moods. So, um, that's something you have to be really mindful of as well. Um, so if you feel bad about yourself, this is what I always do. I reach for a sweet. And again, um, that is going to possibly have negative effects whenever they're older and are trying to break those habits, which is really hard. So avoid relating food to emotions. Um, and I, you know, it's hard to do that. Um, really 100% of the time, you know, because food can be, um, you know, a lot of different things for people, but, um, but making sure that you aren't setting those patterns when this happens, I always do this, um, is what I really try to shoot for. And it's interesting, the amount of clients that we see that this is still an issue, you know, like, and it probably stemmed back from childhood and then kind of built, was building off of that. Um, but number five, the golden rule leading by example Kids absorb everything. They're like little sponges. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Much more than we give them credit for. The behavior and actions of trusted adults can impact a child well into adulthood. Think about how your relationship to food was shaped by your own trusted adults' food behaviors. So was one of your parents obsessed with their weight or a fad diet? I know that's really common if you're around a parent that's constantly making comments and switching diets. It can definitely... Um, I mean, the child can start to pick up some of those habits as well. Um, did you have a trusted teacher or coach who told you a certain food group was bad? Um, I didn't personally have that, but I definitely had coaches who would comment about girls' weight and stuff. And that happened in college too some, um, which, I mean, could lead to eating disorders and that sort of thing. Did you have a friend or a relative who always commented on your appearance or your size? It is likely that this had a lasting impact on you, so consider this as consider this as you interact with your own child. Yeah, and then also try and be positive, sensitive, and aware of the impacts on your child when you talk about, you know, health and body image and things like that with your children. So when you look at, you know, if a parent's talking about their weight or body image constantly and they're obsessed about it, you're really just increasing their likelihood that your childhood will start to talk about their weight or body image negatively or frequently because that's a normal thing that happens in your household. So try and teach your child to appreciate their body for the amazing things that it does and you know treat it with respect even if they don't love every single part because we're not perfect people our bodies are not going to be perfect ever but your body can do some amazing things and understanding that every part of you has a purpose and a function and can do some you know lots of squats or whatever it is I'm it, sure as a parent that's got to be so hard to like ingrain that in mm -hmm, a child's yeah. mind especially like teens and stuff you know with social media and all that that's got to be so hard to mm -hmm. be like 
Yeah. You're, you're healthy, you know, that's gotta be so tough. It's very hard. And even at our age as adults, you know, and I've experienced this as well. If another female makes a negative comment about her body automatically, you're like, well, you start analyzing your own body. It's just what, you know, it's just kind of a, even though you may not have even been thinking about that. And so kids are, are going to not be typically as strong mentally as adults. So they're really going to feel that. And so too, whenever you have, um, genetics playing a role, they might have have the same body type as you and if you talk about say you aren't happy with your arms or whatever and they have the same arms as you how is that going to make them feel so um so this is another big one that um you know that I have I have definitely found that worked really well um that's something that you know I I definitely don't make comments about my body in front of my kid my girls or my and so that's something that I think a lot we see a lot of negativity with that when parents do that in front of their kids and it's so easy to do um and you know again you're there everybody's going to have a bad day so and you and you do something but if you do slip up and you say something negative about your body in front of your kids I would suggest to talk to them about it and just tell them hey I was having a bad moment and um and I was really feeling down on my Myself and I shouldn't have said that and you know and then talk about how all the positive things about your body so um, so reach out to them and talk to them if you did have said something or did say something when you were tired or having a bad day again we all have done that kind of thing so um, but don't just let it go because again they're gonna they're they're listening for sure yeah they listen more than you think and then um, another thing that can, you know, constantly be discussed is clothes size, too. Um, children are constantly growing, and buying new clothes in bigger sizes is a normal part of the growth process. And so, you know, if you express that moving up in a clothes size is this horrible thing, children may have a higher likelihood to adopt that mindset about their own increase in clothes size. Not always, but it's something to think about. I will say, sorry, I'm going to say a little public service announcement about um, height too, real quick. <laughs> so just because I have tall girls and, um, and it's so funny when, you know, just watching them grow up and, um, and, you know, so many people commenting on their height and it definitely was something that, um, that they felt very self-conscious about. And that was often what people, you know, just strangers or people um, would comment on first when they saw them as, oh, do you play basketball? No, I don't play basketball, you know, and so, and they were taller than all their other friends and wanted to be shorter. And, you know, so, so just um, being aware sometimes of, of what you say, and I've done the same thing, you know, um, none of this stuff that we're talking about today is trying to make people feel bad. Um, we've all, said things and we're like dang why did I say that but um, but just so we're all aware so we can try to you know say things that are going to help people feel good about themselves um, and and you know you may you may think that's positive but they may think it's negative yeah and then Cassie has some great ideas about getting kids involved in grocery shopping Um, I think those are awesome but this is another thing um, to try and encourage as a positive thing in your household and have positive feelings towards you know food prep grocery shopping cooking if you complain about these activities in sort of like a negative have to do way then your child may um, be less likely to show initiative or to have interest in these activities as they get older so encourage your kids to be part of that process and try to make it fun and engaging if you can. Okay. And in conclusion, it's important to know that no parent is perfect when it comes to feeding their kid and no kid is perfect when it comes to eating. And that's okay. That's part of being a human. So sometimes all you can do as a parent is your best. We do not say these things to scare you or make you feel bad about the parenting job you've been doing. We only want to empower you with this information in case you want to use it as a tool. Above all, kids need love and stability to achieve their best. And nutrition is just one component of that. So lead by example and 
and teach your kids the life skills needed for a healthy lifestyle so they can live long, healthy, happy lives. And if you're interested in more topics involving nutrition in children, please let us know. If you like today's topic, go ahead and like this episode and add a comment below. If you've been listening to Practical Nutrition for a while or are brand new to our channel, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We are continuously trying to grow this platform to share all of the nutrition knowledge that we can, and those reviews can help us do that. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, and we will see you next time.